get on our feet and love the Lord for a moment. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many are glad that Jesus brought you out of sin? How many are glad that Jesus brought you out of sin? I am so glad that He brought me out of sin. Jesus Christ is the only one that could bring us out of sin. Jesus had something to say one time to a Pharisee and to a woman that had come in to worship Him. He said about this woman's elaborate worship, He says, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loveth much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Can I tell you tonight, whether you were born raised on the pews, you have never had a cigarette between your fingers, you don't know what it's like to taste beer. You've been born and raised in the church, thank God. Or you may be here tonight, you may be here tonight, and it wasn't but a few months ago that somebody introduced you to the church and you know the depths of sin. Can I tell you both the person that was born on these pews and the person that came in a month ago lost and still going to the same devil's hell. You see, I may not have had a lot of things in my life, but I can tell you that I'm capable of any sin that could ever be committed. And I want to love him like he has brought me out of all of them. Come on, one more time. Would you love Jesus Christ? If Jesus Christ has saved your soul, if you have been baptized in his wonderful name of Jesus Christ, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, come on, I want you to love him right now. I want you to love him right now. He brought me out. Just for a few moments tonight, I want to invite your attention to the second book of Chronicles, chapter 25 and verse 1 and 2. And then we're going to go down to verse 5. 2 Chronicles 25, verse number 1. Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehonadad, Dan, of Jerusalem. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Verse 5. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, according up to the houses of their fathers, throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. He hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. But there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee for the Lord is not with Israel to wit with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it. Be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy. For God hath power to help and to cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. I want to preach a few moments tonight. I want to preach just a few moments tonight on this subject. Losing in order to gain. Losing in order to gain. Father, I love you tonight. Lord Jesus, you know I cannot preach without you. I say this privately and now I say it publicly. Lord, I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Father, there are souls under the sound of my voice that are in the shackles of sin. 
Father, there are men and women here tonight that you have been dealing with during this service. They have had to fight back tears. They have got conviction upon them tonight. And Lord Jesus, I pray that your spirit would move upon them. God, I pray that the discouraged becomes encouraged. I pray, Lord, that you give us direction tonight. Move in the next few moments, Lord, and have your perfect way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give him a hand of praise right now, would you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. There is a divine law of God. There is a divine law of God. The God of creation. And there are natural laws. The law of gravity. And the list could go on and on. There are just natural laws given by our Creator and there are also divine laws. We would most be familiar with the law of gravity and that is if you drop an object, there is a law of gravity that would take that object downward to the ground. But also tonight there is a spiritual law that we need to be introduced to that is just as sure as the natural law of gravity. And that is the law of losing in order to gain. Paul introduces this law to us, Brother Voskis, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. When he simply said about his life, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7, it gives the explanation of why he could walk away from such a life. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Jesus introduced this law in John chapter 12, verse 24, when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. There's just sometimes we have to understand that there are going to come losses to our life. But the loss is intended to bring about a gain. There was a man, this King Amaziah, that came to rule. He's an interesting man if you study his life out because it sounds good on the, on the surface. But it says that Amaziah, Amaziah, he, uh, he did that was right. He did that which was right in the sight of God, but not with a perfect heart. It meant that he had all of the outward down pat. He knew how to lift his hands just right. He knew just the exact behavior that he ought to have. He did everything in the sight of the Lord. He had the outside down pat, but the Bible said not with a perfect heart. In other words, it wasn't in his heart to do what he was doing on the outside. It wasn't in his heart. He had it down. He knew what was expected of him. He knew what he needed to do. But he didn't do it with a perfect heart. It just simply was not in his heart. Because of this, we see this manifest in his insecurity that he had. Amaziah had great insecurities. We see this manifest in how he was always accumulating soldiers. He was always trying to get men to... He was always every day trying to find men that could handle spears and swords and soldiers and fighting. And he was always... Everything that said about Amaziah, he was always gathering men and counting men. And the reason he was doing it, he was filled with such insecurities. And the reason for that was that he had the outward down right, but it wasn't in his heart. He had not the confidence of God in his heart. So he accumulated all of these soldiers. As a matter of fact, he was going to war one time, and he was so insecure of even the thousands of men that he had that he hired an army. He actually paid an an astronomical figure Millions equivalent to us today would have been millions of dollars that he spent to hire 
This army, the Bible says, a hundred talents. It would have been millions of dollars that he spent to hire an army because the army that he's got, he doesn't have competence in. So he hires another army at a great, at a great cost. But the Bible says a man of God came his way. And the man of God began to state some facts. The man of God said, don't take them with you into battle. Do not take this army that you have hired. Do not take what you have hired into battle with you because God is not with them. And then he kind of added some things. He said, I want to introduce you to this God because he's a God that can either cause you to rise or he's a God that can bring you down. He is a God that can determine victory for your life or he is a God that can determine defeat for your life. He said, now you could, you know, we all have our own, we all have our self-will. There's nobody that makes anybody do anything. You, you do it because that's either what you want to do or you don't do it because you don't want to do that. It's, it's called your own, your own will. And, and so he said, now, now it's just left up to you. you. You can go ahead and take your battle. You can take those men into battle. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to be defeated. And the remark that he made back is what will I do about the hundred talents I've spent? What about the amount that I have spent, man of God? I have spent millions of dollars. I have spent all of this money for this army. What am I going to do about this? And this is what God said. This is what the man of God said. He said, God is willing to give you much more. God is, God is able to give you. Too many times we don't want to lose some things because we see losing as something that's bad. But can I tell you, if you will get the spirit of losing it for the gospel's, gospel's sake, God is able. I don't know what you need to lose tonight. Oh, I think I do. It's what you're depending upon. It's what you're building upon. It's what you're hoping in. But your hope needs to be in the one that I'm preaching about, Jesus Christ. He is our alpha. He is our omega. He is our beginning. He is our everything. He is the one that keeps his hand upon us. Jesus Christ. Losing. Losing in order to gain. Oh, it would be Abraham. Our faith is founded. The doctrine of faith began with a man that was willing to take a loss. Faith has in its DNA, faith has in its DNA losing to gain. Because when God called Abram out, he said, you got to lose some things. you got to lose the surroundings that you're in. You've got to lose your own country that you're in. Now, God, if I'm going to lose this, God says, and I want you to begin to look up at the stars because if you will be willing to lose your surroundings, lose the people you're running with, lose the people that are influencing your life. He said, Abraham, if you're willing to take a loss, I want you to look up to the stars. You and Sarah have never had a child, but if you're willing to come out, I'll give you descendants that are the stars of the sky and the sand. Oh, I've come to preach to somebody tonight and tell you in the name of the Lord, get the spirit of losing about you. Lose it all. Let your hope be built on Jesus Christ. Let your hope be built on him. Can I tell you, everything you need comes down from him tonight. You need to be willing to lose Now, 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 God, I, I'm just telling you, God, I, you're wanting me to leave my, my friends here. And he said, yeah, and I'll give you friends as the stars of heaven. I'll give you friends as the sand of the sea. You want me to lose, lose my land that I'm at, God? And God said, yes, I'll, if you're willing to lose this old rocky hillside, if you're willing to lose this old land of Ur of Chaldees, if you're willing to lose all this, I will take you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I will take you to the promised land. I will take you to the Canaan land. 
losing in order, losing in order to gain. I want to introduce you a little bit, and I'm, I'm kind of going to end my message with this tonight because it's just a basic message. You have to learn how to lose in order to gain. God's way up is down. God's way of promotion is not man's way of promotion. We don't fight and stab and step and step over people to go up. If you want to go up, God said you got to go down. If you want to be used, you got to be willing to think that why would God ever want to use me? If you, if, if you really, you don't have to open doors. There, there's too many people that's out of the will of God trying to open doors that God doesn't intend for them to open. And you ought to just step back and let God open the door. Now, oh, let me, I, I, I think in the Holy Ghost I got a hold of something right now. You may be seated. In the ministry, I cannot relate to a certain amount of struggle because I just believe that when God calls you, that if you'll just keep your life right, He'll open doors. You don't have to pry them open. You don't have to kick them open. There's too many people that's pushed doors open that they're not ready for what's on the other side. Can I tell you, when God knows you're able for the other side, He's going to open the door and you're going to go to the other side. Come on. Let's lose a little bit. There's nothing special about any of us here tonight. Nobody ought to be in here with pride of who you are and what your last name is and why are not people not understanding how talented I am. God can't lose, use you until you lose that way of thinking. you got to lose. Man, when God calls you, you ought to be so humble to say, I don't know why God would call me. I'm just a rank, dirty sinner. I don't have anything going for me. I'm ignorant, I'm alert. And God said, that's the one I'm looking for because he has lost in order. I can't, I, 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 I just tell you, there's some struggle I can't relate to. And I'm not telling you I haven't. You may be seated. I'm not telling you I haven't had struggle. There's just some struggle that I, can't, I cannot relate to. Number one, when God called me to preach and God gave me a message, my first message I ever preached, my first message I ever preached was where they asked David. They asked David, whether has your road led you today? And God gave me a message. I was at 208 Black Oak Drive. That's where we, I was brought up. And God gave me a message. Where does your road lead today? And I said, God, if this is you, then let Brother McCool ask me to preach that message in chapel. At that time, I was working construction. I was working construction. My father had died. I got a, 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 a certificate of a hardship case. I got out of school at 11 o'clock my junior and senior year. I got out of school at 11 o'clock so I could go work construction and make money to live. And on my lunch break, God had given me that message a few days before that. And I told God, God, if it's your will, let Brother McCool ask me to preach that. Let Brother McCool ask me to preach in chapel. And uh, one day I drove by the church. And he is out in the field working on his John Deere tractor. And I stopped there for a few moments and pulled my car up. And, and uh, he saw me there and he turned around. He said, hey, I, I've been thinking about, hey, 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 Brother Kenny, would you be able to preach this Friday in chapel service? I said, I sure would. And I preached that Friday and God filled somebody with the Holy Ghost. Well... A few months later, I hope this is all right tonight. Because you've got to be willing to lose if you're going to gain. A few months. A few months later, you may be seated a few months later. I got to feeling like I, I, I got to feel like God wanted me to travel around and preach. So I said, God, if this is you, let my pastor say something to me about evangelizing. So one Saturday. Brother Bishop, Bishop, we was over the church. I was over there helping my pastor. We were putting soffit. They had built in one of those 1,500 wings they got off that church. And I was, 
I was cutting soffit and he was putting the soffit in and I would cut and he would put it in. We worked about half a day and he had a funeral something he was going to and we was walking to our cars and he turned around and he said, Boo Kenny, you, all, you, ever, thought, you ever thought about evangelizing? I said, yeah, I kind of like a little old dog falling. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I've been. He said, well, next Saturday I'm preaching an anniversary in Johnson City, Tennessee for Ed Davis. said, I want you to come to that meeting and said, I'm going to introduce you. I ain't never preached a revival in my life. Just preached one time. I went, to the, I went to that anniversary service and he called me up there. He said, this is an evangelist out of our church. I, I got up there. He introduced me. and that, that was Saturday. Dan Bradley walked up to me. He pastored Souls Harbor in Bristol, Tennessee. He said, can you preach for me tomorrow night? I said, yeah. I had one message. I didn't tell him that, but I... I guess my road's going to Bristol. So I preached that Sunday night, and revival broke out. He said, call your pastor and see if you can be back here Wednesday through Sunday. I said, do what? So I went back to start revival Monday, or Wednesday through Sunday. And when I got back between Sunday night, my road, I had to find another message for Wednesday night. He said, we're going to put you up in a hotel. And he said, this hotel is famous. He said, when Elvis Presley comes to town, this is where Elvis stays. I'm in that room with one message and five nights. And I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. I, I, I was really trying to get a hold. I was really trying to get a hold of God. I preached that revival and then Brother McCool said we're taking the choir down to Boonville, Mississippi Larry Hills Church he said every year I'm invited to go to Larry Hills Church during Thanksgiving and, and, and we're going to take the choir down there and said I want you to preach on Friday night and I preached and he introduced me to a man named J.L. Pipkin and he invited me for revival. And somebody else invited me for revival. And I had a brother Flake invite me for revival there in Walnut. And a revival here and a revival there. And before I, before I knew it, I was, I was truly what the man of God said I was. I was an evangelist. But I'm saying all that to say this. You gotta get the mentality of losing in order to gain. You don't get anointed without a prayer life. You don't know the scripture without studying. And sometimes you gotta lose other things to gain what brings the anointing. There's no better time to pray. I don't know what you have to postpone. I don't know what you had to put aside, but you can lose in order. To gain, I, I, I think I got my message a little out of whack tonight. But just let me tell you something about my life. Because I feel like I'm in family here tonight. I really do. My wife and I have spent more anniversaries in Potts Camp, Mississippi. <laughs> we have. We have got more things at our house that you precious people gave us for our anniversary. We celebrated our 30th anniversary here. And somebody asked us about our honeymoon last night. Somebody said, well, where'd you go on your honeymoon? That's a story in itself. You see, we started pastoring the Maribel Church and we had revival breakout the week before we got married. We had revival breakout. And my wife's mother received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you something. When you're pastoring a little church of about 20 and seven people get the Holy Ghost... So, Penny and I both decided that we were going to get married. We got married on Friday night in Knoxville. And what we were going to do, we said, let's go back, keep this good revival going. We'll get married Friday night. And Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
We'll be back in Maryville, and first thing Monday morning, we'll get up, and we'll head to Myrtle Beach for our honeymoon. That's where we're going, Myrtle Beach for our honeymoon. Got up. David got up, ready to go to Myrtle Beach on Monday morning. Had a great great revival there at the church. More people got the Holy Ghost Sunday morning, Sunday night. Got up Monday morning, packed the car up. Phone call came. One of the men in our church had fell out of a tree, and they thought he broke his back. We sat up at the emergency room all day long waiting on, on, on him to come out of surgery. It got so late in the day that we both decided, well, we just better get up early in the morning, Tuesday morning, get over there to Myrtle Beach. We both agreed, didn't we, honey? We both agreed on that. Let's just get up Tuesday morning and head to Myrtle Beach. Monday night, Brother G.L. Akers called me. He said, hey, son, I hear you're coming to Myrtle Beach. He said, why don't you stop by here and preach for us? He said, I'll give you a love offering. And, and, and we were broke. We needed a love offering. I, I, we needed We needed we were robbing Peter to pay Paul and hiding it from James and John. I mean, we, we, we needed money. So I said, sure, Brother Akers, we'll stop by there. I said, honey, you know, that's right on our way. We can preach there Tuesday night, get in the car early Wednesday morning, head to Mer- Oh, yeah, baby, we can do that. Lord, have mercy that Tuesday night. The Holy Ghost moved in that church. People got the Holy Ghost, and Sister Carpenter was prowling the altar, praying folks through the Holy Ghost. And old white-headed Brother Akers got me to the side and said, son, do you think you can stay tomorrow night? I said, wait a minute, I'll ask. I, well, that's what happens when you know. I, I said, honey, Brother Akers wants us to stay tomorrow night. We can get up Thursday morning. We can have Thursday and Friday. Can I just tell you, we preached Tuesday night. We preached Wednesday night. We preached Thursday night. We preached Friday night. We got in the car Friday, Saturday, and went back to Maryville, and we've been on our honeymoon ever since. Come on, I'm telling you, people that have got a sad story about the work of God, I cannot relate to you. It's a good life living for the Lord. I said it's a good life living for the Lord. If you're willing to lose, if you're willing to lose, if you're willing to lose, it's a good life living for the Lord. It's a good life living for Him. Oh, don't tell me a sad story. Don't tell me something's went wrong. It's a good life living for the Lord. It's a good life. Let me tell you why I'm here tonight. You may be seated. Let me tell you why I'm here tonight. I'm going to tell you why I'm here. I am the product of a woman who was willing to lose. I would not be here tonight preaching if it wasn't for a mother that was willing to lose. We were brought up very poor. But we were the first people in our neighborhood. We were the first people in our neighborhood to get three things. A new car, a window air conditioner, and a colored television. Sorry. There's a whole lot of other things worse in our family. Well, let's go on. When they delivered that window air conditioner to our house, the neighbors came and watched them unload it. It was that big a deal. When Daddy brought that colored television home, people sat on the front porch and looked through the windows. No, I ain't going to say what I'm going to say. Anyway, they they were looking through the windows. Then that time that my mom and daddy went to Reader Chevrolet and bought a brand new. I, do we have the picture of that? A brand new Chevrolet Nova. There it is. Brand, I mean brand spanking new. We, we didn't know what new car smell was like till we got in there. Mama was so proud of that car. It was mama's. My daddy was so proud and my mother had a new car and and, and, and it, that, that car, uh, once again, the neighbors came around and would, would gawk at that car and look at that car in the driveway. But John and Ruby Carpenter had two sons, Jerry and Kenny. Jerry and Kenny were beginning to dabble in drugs and Jerry and Kenny began to get in trouble with the law in an early teenage years and 
Mama saw that Jerry and Kenny were heading down the wrong road. In the midst of that, a car pulled out and hit my mother and took the driver's side doors and the, the passenger back seat door and shoved it in, ripped the bumper, twisted the bumper back. Mama got an insurance check to get that Nova fixed. She got a check that she just simply had to take it down to Reader Chevrolet and hand it to them. And they was going to fix that car better than new, they said. But my mama began to ponder, ponder. She had two boys that were dabbling in drugs. She had two boys that were going the wrong way. And somebody told her that the Apostolic Church over in Knoxville had opened up a Christian school. And my mother began to talk to my dad. And my mother began to say, John, if we could get them boys in the right environment... John, if we could somehow get them in the right environment. I can still remember my dad saying, now, 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 Ruby, we don't have the money. We don't have the money to put them boys. You, you went over there and got the tuition list, and you know what it would cost to put them two boys through school. And Ruby, you know we don't have that kind of money. And I remember hearing my mother said, John, I've got that check to fix that car with. And that check would pay one full year's tuition in their books. But, 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 but Ruby, what about your car? John, I'm willing. Now, he didn't say it so much like this, but I'm saying it. I would, willing to, I would be willing to suffer the loss of driving a brand new car through town. I would be willing for, to drive a car that, that had a bumper that was twisted off of it. I'd be willing to drive a car that was beat up if I just had a chance at my boys and mama mama walked into 5020 Pleasant Ridge Road and mama laid that insurance check down and she paid for one full year's tuition for me and Jerry to go to that school and I'm so glad that she did because the February of that school year in a Christian school chapel service God got a hold of my heart and brought me down to the altar I was filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, I'm telling you, I owe my start to somebody that was willing to lose to gain. My brother, you all know my brother's story. You all know my brother's story. My brother, my brother got in church, but he later got out of church, and I'll just throw this out. Can I tell you, don't date out of the faith. Young people, do not date out of the faith. God has got an apostolic boy or an apostolic girl. You do not have to settle for less. Don't date out of the faith. My, my baby brother, my baby brother began to date a girl not of thy faith and before long, she had in, in, introduced him to more drugs and more pills, and he finds himself addicted. And you know the story. My brother was convicted of murder in the first degree and served 34 and a half years in a Tennessee penitentiary. But on July the 1st of 2019, man, I had drove that up that road to that prison numerous times in 34 and a half years. 34 and a half years I had driven that road. I knew where to park. I knew to leave all my money and my car keys and everything in, in the car. I knew how to do all that. But on July 1st at noon is when they told me. I drove up to that prison but this day was different. After 34 and a half years I walked in at noon on July 1st of 2019 and the man said, what's your business? And I said, I'm here to pick up Jerry Neal Carpenter. He said, I want to tell you what you're going to do. He said, you're going to go back out to your car. He said, I don't want any videos. He said, the news has done called us. The news wanted to come up and I've already told the news they cannot come up here. He said, I don't want you videoing it. I don't want you to, he said, I don't even want you showing any emotions. He said, you stand by the car. And he said, in about a half hour, your brother's going to come out that side door over here. Now, you got to remember, I've not seen Jerry in 34 and a half years other than in, in prison denim 
About a half hour later, a man come walking out. He had a bag over his shoulder and a cap on, khaki pants, polo shirt. And I got to looking at him and I, I thought, well, that looks like my brother. But you got to realize, I've not seen him in those clothes for 34 and a half years. And he said, Kenny, Jerry. I called him over the car and I got him in the car. Now, we didn't hug. I found out that garbage bag was everything he had. Every, all his earthly possessions was in that garbage bag. We put it in the back of that car. But when we got in that car, buddy, did we not have a hug celebration? We hugged and, yes, two grown men kissed each other there in that car. We hugged each other. Said, Jerry, we're going home. We're going home, Jerry. Now, you, you got to remember, you got to remember, he's not been in a car in 34 and a half years. So when I pulled out and Siri started saying at the end of the road, turn left, he said, He said, you got, you got to just remember, he needed praying through at the time. He said, I thought you brought me a woman up here. He's out. I said, no. I said, but Jerry, I'm going to take you to three places today. You're going to have to learn how to function. I'm going to take you to three places today. i got to have you in Nashville tomorrow. I'm going to take you to three of the most important places that you'll ever go to. you got to learn how to function. He said, go ahead, brother, shoot. I said, Cracker Barrel. you got that picture. Show it to me tonight. That's his first meal after 34 and a half years at Cracker Barrel. Then I told him, I told him, I said, Jerry, the second place you got to learn to function in is a store called Walmart. He said, well, I know Walmart. He said, when I went in prison, said it was a little drug store. I said, oh, boy, I'm going to roll your socks up and down like a window shade. You ain't, you ain't been to nothing like that. We're, we're going to go to Walmart. You got that? And there we are at Walmart. You got to function. You got you to know how to function. And then he said, tell me about the third place is. I said, the house of God. The house of God. Now, I don't know how well you can see this, but my mama, she was sick. And I want to give honor to my wife tonight. The last three years of my mama's life, my wife moved her into our house and my wife waited on my mother hand and foot. Penny, I love you for that. Penny, I love you for that. I took, I, I, I took Jerry in and, and we spent the night there at my house, our house there. And early the next morning, I had to have him in Nashville. He was going to be in a, a transitional house for six weeks. He, had to, he was court ordered. He had to go in a transitional house. And I dropped him off in Nashville, but I called a man. You may be seated. I called a man in Nashville by the name of Nate Batson. Anybody ever heard of him? And I said, Brother Nate, I said, Brother Pastor Batson, my, my brother's over here in a transitional house, and I, if there's any way, if there's any way that you could help me, he said, he's been asking me questions about the church. He asked me things like, Kenny, does the choir still shout? Kenny, do they still run the aisles? Kenny, do they do this? Do they do that? I said, Jerry, they still do. We still do, Jerry. And so I dropped him off and I made a call to Pastor Batson. And then about an hour later, I got a call from my brother. He said, Kenny, dude, there's a man out here who says he wants to see me. I said, oh, what's his name? He said, Batson, Bat Batson, Batson. Is he cool? I said, yeah, yeah, he's cool. He's, he's good. He said, well, he wants to take me out tonight to dinner. I said, go ahead and go with him. Then the next day, the next morning, he calls, Kenny. This Batson guy's back here at the house. <laughs> and I love to tell this old brother Batson. He, he, he said, hey, Kenny. He said, is Brother Batson like? Mm. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, he, he's married. He's got kids. No, he's all right. Brother Batson, Brother Batson took him to dinner, took him to lunch, 
kept going over every day. They'd send me pictures. I took your brother. I took your brother Chick-fil-A the first time. And then he showed me a little video. He said, I'm teaching your brother how to drive. He said, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> but do you know what it led to? The first Sunday morning that he's out after 34 and a half years, he finds himself on the pews at Brother Nate Batson's church. And before the service was over, right there's what happened. I want you to know that was July of 2019. My brother is still at Brother Batson's. He was supposed to come home to Maryville after six weeks. He said, Kenny, I love it over here. I think he mows the grass. He lives on the church property. He takes care of the church building. He's living for God. Mama, you had to suffer. I don't know what junkyard that old Chevrolet's in tonight. But Lord, look at what mama bought. Mama was willing to suffer a loss. Mama, I don't know what junkyard that old Nova's in tonight, but you got a boy that's a preacher and you got another boy that's serving God. Mama, my mother, my mother suffered a loss. Come on, parents, tonight. Be willing to suffer a loss if it will bring you. Be at church on Wednesday night. Be at church on Sunday. Will you say, I got things to do? Suffer a loss. Suffer a loss. You're going to buy something in your family. Well, just, just remain, remain standing. Just remain standing tonight. My mother, when my brother was put in prison... My mother let the devil really work on her. And she, would, she got bitter toward the church and she backslid. And uh, she stayed out of church for many years. But a couple years ago, on New Year's Eve, Brother Erickson and I come up with a plan. Instead of calling everybody around the church for communion and foot washing, Brother Erickson made a little handout a little lesson and we gave it to all the men in our church and instead of meeting at the church to take communion and foot washing we felt like the heads of the houses could lead their family in that and so about 11 o'clock that night I went in my mother my mother was laying in the bed and she really she really dementia had really done a number on her and I went in and I said, Mama, you're going to hear us. We're going to start praying out here in a few minutes. And, and you're going to hear us and, and, and we're going to take communion. I said, now, Mama, if you want to get up and come in there, you can. I said, but just I just want you to know that you're probably going to hear some noise of us praying. My mother said, can I join you? She said, give me a few minutes. Now, I thought she was just going to put like a house dress on it. Sister Sandra... In about 20 minutes, my mama come out of the bedroom and you could tell she had tried to fix her hair and put her hair up on her head. She had the finest dress she could find in the closet. She came out. I noticed something about my mother. My mother didn't have that cloudy look in her face. And we started testifying. And we, before we took communion, I had all the family members tell what the Lord had done for them and what the Lord meant to them. All the way down to our grandchildren. They were, to the best of their ability, to tell them what the Lord and it come time to take communion. And my mama said, Kenny, can I say something? I said, sure, mama. And she said, Kenny, you know for years I got hurt. And she said, I said things that I should have never said. And said, I wanted to come back to church. But said, the devil told me that, 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 that I had said too much about the church. I had done too much and I had said too much. And, and, and if I could, I promise God right now here tonight, I'll never say another ill word about anyone. If God will just help me tonight, I'll never say another thing. If God, Kenny, do you think God could help me? And we begin to pray. And before too long, my mother began to speak with other tongues again. My mother began to speak with other tongues and magnify God. Mama, did you ever know when you walked into that office at Pleasant Ridge Road and you laid down that $1,500? Mama, did you ever know? 
January 10th of this year, at 5.26 on a Sunday evening, I and Jerry and our sister Kathy stood around her hospital bed in Knoxville and watched our mother take her last breath. I told, they said uh, the funeral, and I said, I, I, I want just my family there. I, I, I could have, I could have, Brother Vasquez, I could have put the word out in the organization and we could have had it filled with preachers such as yourself. But I chose, I just said, I, I just want my family there. And so, on that Tuesday night when we walked into the funeral home, the smell of flowers were, were overwhelming. And I, I thought to myself, man, who, who, who else is in this funeral home with my mother? I knew that us kids had bought some flowers. But as I began to go down, I looked at missionary from Asia just sent flowers. Missionary from here, superintendents and district superintendents and people. And they were all flowers from people my mother had never met, didn't even know their names. Mama, oh, I want to reach for somebody tonight. Mama, did you know what you were buying when you laid that $1,500 down on that table? Mama, did you have any idea that you just purchased the next general superintendent of the ALJC? Mama, when you laid that down, did you, ever, did, you, did you ever think what you purchased? You see, the devil wants you to get your mind off what you're... He wants you to think you're really taking a loss. We're going to take up a mighty offering tomorrow night. At that funeral, and if they can play it, and I gave it to them before church tonight, so please bear with them. But the people in this little choir is my mother's grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Some of them, not all of them. And some of the, the, the daughter-in-laws. But here it is. Could you play that? This is at my mother's Mama, did you know? Because I know there is peace within your Mama, friends. did you have any idea when you laid that money down? I speak Jesus. Mama, did you realize that what you were losing, you were going to gain this? I speak the name of Jesus. Sing it, Lauren, sing it. You're the granddaughter of that woman. There's Beckham Hammond. That's her great-grandson there. Mama, did you know what you were buying when you laid that money down? Much more than this, God is able. So you can have a, a gain. 
I know you might have wanted to go home. I know the service may have been a little long tonight, but could you lose a little bit of time in this altar? Could you push your way around the front? Come on, let's pack in as close as we can. Somebody's gonna suffer a loss and they're gonna have a gain tonight. Come on, suffer a loss, suffer a loss. When's the last time you cried out to God? When's the last time that you shouted and cried out to God? I need you, God. I'm out of control. I need you, God. Mama, did you know? Come on, pray, church, pray. It's time to lose. It's time to lose. Come on, pray loud enough that you can hear yourself pray. Come on, pray loud enough. Pray loud enough that you can hear yourself pray. Oh, lose your pride. Lose it tonight. God is able to give you much more. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name. Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Fear and ill anxiety 
every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus
the Holy Ghost in this house. Would you just lift your hands all across this, this altar? Would you let the Holy Ghost touch you? If you could see from this vantage point, what you would see is tears, brokenness, and revelation. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go ahead and let God touch you right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I've been instructed. You stay here as long as you need to stay here. You pray as long as you need to pray. I know many of you drove a long ways. I have just a few announcements, and then we're going to let you have this altar call. We're not going to quench that at all. Tomorrow night, all checks. As far for our, our missions offering are to be made out to the Mississippi District ALJC. Don't forget that. They're gonna have they have concessions going on out there, but by, by no means are we ending this altar call. God's doing too many great things. Thank you, Bishop Carpenter, for that word. So thankful for that word. So thankful for that word. One more time, could we make one more push before we, before I put this mic down and you continue, but just make one more push. But I don't believe God's finished with some of you. I believe God's still moving in this house. Well, if it's appropriate, won't you lay hands on your neighbor right now? Just encourage. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says that Samson in his death or you might say in his loss. He killed more in his loss, in his death, than when he was living. Won't you go ahead and lose some things right now? Go ahead and lose some things. Go ahead and sacrifice some things. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lay it at this altar. Lay it at this altar. Don't walk out of this place with it. Don't walk out of this place. Don't leave this parking lot with it. Say, God, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Pray as long as you need to pray tonight. 
God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night, 7.30 or 7 o'clock rather.